thinking through things this morning. Uh, with your neighbor, would you share a family tradition that you you do? It could be around Thanksgiving or just something. What's a family tradition that you have in your family? I know that's pretty generic, but just kind of talk to one another. Do you have a family tradition? Uh, I I have a um, a remembering things problem. Does anybody else have a remembering things problem? Uh, we have we have all these things to help us remember, but uh, the way that we best learn is through repetitive things and doing things over and over and over again. Uh, every once in a while, Laura asks me to do something. She says, "Jordan, I need you to drive a Triton activity bus." Let me tell you, that's my nightmare. I really hate driving the Triton Activity Bus. They are awful for multiple reasons. One, they're just clunky and they drive weird. But there's just the added pressure of, oh, I'm hauling other people's kids. And there's just a lot to it. Uh, but it's not just that pressure. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's it. You want to think that, but... Uh, you know, we, uh, so I only do it like a couple of times and every time I hate it. But, uh, at the end of like a trip, so you have your pre-trip, you have to go through this long checklist, make sure everything's good. And then there's the trip itself. But then when the trip is over, there's a sequence of things that you have to do to make sure the alarm doesn't go off because there's a, oops, I forgot to, a child alarm. You have to go and check all the seats. And if you don't go through all the right sequence of lock the door, check the doors, close the windows, you know, do three uh, handstands, like you, the alarm goes off. And let me tell you, the alarm, the alarm has gone off after I've been done because I haven't done it enough. Now, Rich Walter is a bus driver, and he has his routine and everything and his checklist, and he does it day in and day out. He's done it for years and years, and. Rich could probably like be sleepwalking and do it because he's done it so many times. Probably it's early enough he is, but um, uh, let, let's not spread that rumor. That would be a that would be a lawsuit probably. 
but uh, so, but he does that every single day. But because I don't do it with such repetition, um, I'm very forgetful at it. And if Laura were to ask me to do it again, which I hope she doesn't, I would say, hey, I need another tutorial because it's been a year since I've done it and I need a reminder. So would anybody else be in the same boat as me? If you didn't do it very often, you would need like, I would need some help on that, especially if there's a little extra pressure on it. It's like, holy moly, I I wouldn't do very well with that. And so as I think about traditions, what traditions do for us, they are things that we do over and over again that build repetition. And uh, we have some good traditions, and I hope that you shared some of the good ones. You probably shared the bad ones because that's our human nature, you know. But, uh, uh, but we do those things over and over again probably because they're important, but they also because they teach us something or they hold some value or importance. Uh, there, is, uh, there is a family tradition for Wendy's side of the family. They would travel down to uh, southern Illinois and they would go to have a family reunion. And that family reunion, they would do every Thanksgiving and their, or every other Thanksgiving and their family from all over the country, from Mississippi and, and Michigan and Illinois and, uh, they would come together and they would have, uh, their family meal for Thanksgiving. And at the end of or within all of it, they would sing the doxology. And so they would sing the doxology song within that and worship and praise and thanksgiving was very much a part of what what they wanted to do as a family and that was a tradition that was very well established and and important to them and so um not to get uh, overly sentimentalized in my uh, opening of things but uh that brought on great meaning to their family and whether it was the family reunion thanksgiving down in illinois or if it was just us around the dinner table at thanksgiving Phil and Judy would make sure to lead us in the doxology every Thanksgiving, and that's just what we did. And so this was that thing where you a tradition that you do, and it's on repeat, and it mattered. It was important. It was praising God for all that He's done, and that was uh, that was a reminder, a yearly reminder, uh, if not a, a daily. And everything in their life was about reminding themselves to praise God and and worship Him. And so. Coming into that was important for me. Uh, Wendy's family is much more musical and, and, you know, ready to sing around the table. When they, when they sing happy birthday, it's four part harmony and, and I'm just sitting in the corner like I, I used to know how to sing this and I don't think I do now. I used to know it, but, um, I don't fit and I can, I'll never forget the first Easter that I was with them. Uh, I was just dating Wendy. And I was kind of thinking, what am I getting into? Uh, because after the meal, uh, people started like, we gathered in the living room. Then people got up and started walking away. And I was like, what's going on? And next thing you know, there's a fiddle comes into the room. And Grandpa has his fiddle. And then Cousin Amanda, she brings her fiddle. And then Uncle David got his guitar. And and uh, Chris got his djembe drum. And, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? Next thing you know, there's a hoedown going on in the middle of the living room. <laughs> I'm thinking, what what have I gotten myself into? And so, uh, so faith and and music and and worship and uh, was just very very much a part of the tradition of gathering together as a family. This is this is what we're going to do. So I don't know uh, if your family would be the ones so that would say, "Wow, this is weird." I don't know what this is, or if that was pretty normal for you growing up to have music a part of your family and your traditions, uh, but. For me, when I think about these things, there's, there's a lot to that. 
because uh, when we had a very difficult moment uh, in October of 2015 when Grandpa Beavers passed away, um, there is a moment that is sort of etched in my mind uh, of who he is and what he's done. Now, Wendy's Grandpa Beavers was a minister for over 60 years, and he served three churches. Uh, he had great longevity, and he just served and loved. And uh, you you wouldn't know um, you wouldn't know much about him. He was pretty low key, uh, but some people who grew up in his ministries have gone on to serve um, the world over, and a lot of people have gotten into ministry because of Eugene Beavers and and Gaylene and their faithfulness to ministry and loving the Lord. And um, so I, I hold him up as a hero, uh, someone that I that I want to be like, that I, you know, aspire to. And uh, and so Wendy, uh, in I think it was December of 2015, uh, she gave me this gift for Christmas. And uh, and this, uh, I don't know how they do it. I'm sure some of you are very smart and know how it works. But on these wood planks uh, is Grandpa Beaver's last sermon. and uh, And it hangs in my office. And it's a sermon about uh, the body of Christ and about unity. And uh, so he preached this sermon on Sunday. And on Monday, he had a heart attack and he passed away. Um, uh, later, in the, He had a heart attack and later in the week, he passed away. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the reminder to get on track? Stop crying. <laughs> Well-timed honk-honk there. If ever, if every sermon could have that, that would be helpful. So, uh, what nice tension removal there. That was good. So this is a gift that hangs in my office, and it, it, and it hangs there for, um, not just for decoration. There's meaning, there's substance to it. Uh, that this, this is who I want to be. I want to, I want to preach to my dying breath. And I want to be faithful to the Lord, and I want to serve the church. It was at Grandpa Beaver's. Um, it was at uh, Grandpa Beaver's funeral, and we we went through the the funerals uh, and all of that. And then there was uh, we met in a chapel at the cemetery, and it was mostly just family there that had gathered. And uh, to close out all of the service, we sang the doxology. And so the closing of all of it was was that song, was that worship and praise of God. The reason why I share all of that is to say today is about remembering God. And the book of Deuteronomy is about remembering God in all circumstances, in every moment of every day. In the good times, and the bad times, and everything in between. And as we embark through the book of Deuteronomy, there are going to be traditions that get shared, there are going to be rules to live by, and there are going to be instructions given for when the Israelites finally, finally, finally get to enter into the promised land. And it is a book of warnings and encouragements and cautions and saying, we know enough about our hearts and we know enough about our minds and we know enough about the things that we've done in our life that we need to remember God. And we need to sting, uh, cling to Him faithfully knowing that God is with us, God is present. Uh, 
And so Moses will spend this whole book is one long sermon to the Israelites on the brink of finally getting into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And here they are finally now entering in. And, and Moses knows he's not going in, but he's, he's saying, would you remember God? And here's how I want you to remember him. In Deuteronomy 6, he says uh, that what's known as the Shema, and it's to love God with all that they are and love, him with, uh, love, your, uh, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor. And he, he calls them to this love of God. And he says, I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on your walls. I want you to remind yourselves often to love God with all that you are. And so then we're going to jump ahead into Deuteronomy 8. I'm just going to read this section with little commentary on it. I just want to read the whole thing to you. Because I think it just kind of speaks to our hearts. And if you just kind of find yourself wrapped up into this uh, bit of the story, uh, there's a lot of instruction for us. Deuteronomy 8. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Remember, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build uh, fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness that thirsty that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. 
If ever you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. There's a lot of calls to remember and a lot of cautions about forgetfulness. I think the book of Deuteronomy offers us a wonderful insight into the window of our hearts and our need, our need for God in our lives, our need to remember God's faithfulness, our great need to know that God is forever with us. I don't know that we have any like sort of pinpoint moment in our life where we like think, oh, I forgot about God. But I think we all have gone through journeys in our life where we can say there are points where I've pretty well rejected or I've turned away from him and I've chosen my own way and my own path. And for the Israelites, Moses is looking at him and he's saying, I need for you guys to remember where we've been. I need you to think about where we're going. And I want you to look on into the future and understand that God was faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful in the present. And we need to know in the future that God is there and God cares for us. Now we know the rest of the story. We know how the Israelites do. And we know that this basically comes all comes to fruition. That they're going to get in there. And despite all of the warnings, despite all of the cautions, the Israelites are going to forget God. They're going to do foolish things and say that we are no longer going to worship the God of Israel, but we are going to worship the gods that surround us in this land of Canaan. And it's going to come about because of a certain few things that happen in our life, but the end result, all of the trouble, all of the problems happen because of this thing that we all wrestle with, pride. And when, so when Jesus and others say that pride comes before the fall, and when we see in Scripture that pride comes before the fall, it is not a, um, uh, it is a foregone conclusion that when we are prideful, we will fall. There's no way around it. And so God, he, he's explaining, Moses is, is explaining, like all that you've gone through and this entire journey has been God disciplining you so that you would be reliant on Him and reliant on God's strength and you would know that it's because of Him that you live and have life and are free. So the Israelites, they, they really had one job. They had one job and it was to remember God's faithfulness. And so Moses, he reminds them, he says, remember where we came from. Remember all that God did to deliver us out of Egypt. Remember that God was faithful there to overcome the mighty Pharaoh and all of that pressure and know that today, that because God is greater than Egypt, that God's going to be greater than whatever you face in the promised land. Remember Him. And good things are going to start happening. Suddenly, you guys are going to be able to make something other than manna. And if you were them, you were like, yippee, yahoo, Praise Jesus, we're not having the same thing again today. There is a cupboard that they can fill with olive oil and so many other goods that they can start actually, you know, preparing. And they got their Pinterest boards ready. They got great things uh, in store when they finally get into the promised land. And so God is saying good things are coming. Wonderful things for you because this is what I've prepared for you and I need for you to know that pride will creep in. And the antidote to that is to remember remember God. Remember His faithfulness and His love. The antidote to that is praising God and worshiping Him. 
and that's I think is the sort of tension. And so I don't I don't know that I need to necessarily elaborate a whole lot more on the text as much as just saying, let's now look at our own hearts. Let's look at our own lives and ask ourselves the question that I think is really important, and it is, do I remember God? Do I remember him in his past faithfulness, and do I think of him, and do I focus my life on God right now in the present? Because I think it would be disastrous for you individually, and I know it would be disastrous for us as a church that if we were to forget who God is and what he's done in his faithfulness. And so when I think about what is it that we are called to remember as Christians, what what would God want for you to remember today? And I think that foremost, what God would want us to remember is a thing that we try to center our entire worship around, and that is the sacrifice and new life and forgiveness of sins that we have through Jesus Christ and his cross and who he is and what he's done for us. It is about Jesus and his glory. It's about Jesus and his victory, and it's about his forgiveness for the world that we celebrate today. We center our lives on him. We set our focus on our gathering together on Christ and what he's done. And so when we think about what is it that we need to remember, well, we remember what I think Jesus asked us to remember in Luke, uh, Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, where he says, take this in remembrance of me. And so we, we take communion in remembrance of Christ, remembering his body crucified and, his, and him resurrected from the dead. We remember this covenant that he makes with his disciples, offering us forgiveness and new life. And so when we gather together, let it be about worshiping and glorifying him and remembering what God has done. The quintessential moment for the Israelites was the Egyptians' uh, deliverance and the exodus. What is the quintessential moment for the Christian to remember? but it is the work of God through Christ to deliver us from sins and give us new life in his kingdom. And that's what we live for, and that's what we glorify, and that's what we call to remembrance. You know, why, why do we gather today? Why do we gather like this, and what does it help us to remember? Now, we, we've come together and we've prayed, and I hope that our prayer is an encouraging reminder of what God has done and what God will do and can do. We've sung songs praising God for who he is and his faithfulness and his wonder and his mighty works, that God is a miracle worker and he continues to work. And so we praise God for his faithfulness. We have sermon time, which some of you call nap time, which I understand. Um, But it is about calling us to a remembrance of God and his faithfulness and what he's done. I hope that my sermons point you to Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for you. May it be about him and his faithfulness. And so when we come together, may it be this reminder thing. And it's not just a tradition that we do and a thing that we do, but let it be a thing that serves its proper purpose. Its proper purpose of continually reminding us of God and his faithfulness and what he's done. Because we face similar pressures that Israel faced. We face the pressure that there are multiple gods in which we would be drawn to to worship. 
we face the pressure of monetary um, advancements. We think about how much wealth all of us have, and yeah, it doesn't feel like we're all that wealthy, but I assure you we are. And we have so much that we could have our faith choked up and that we would become so prideful of ourselves and within ourselves that we will most certainly fall. And so when I look at this text and I look at my heart and I think, you know what? I so desperately need these reminders. What do you do to help yourself remember God's faithfulness? Something that I used to do and I've fallen short of and I need to get back into it is journaling. One of the things I like to do is go back and read my own old journals when I can actually read the handwriting. Sometimes there's a little deciphering that needs to happen. But when I read it, I'm reminded of how God worked in situations. I'm reminded of God's past faithfulness. What do you do to help you remember God's faithfulness? Do you have any of those sort of built-in things in your life to help you remember? Maybe it's just a walk out in the wilderness and you can pray and spend time with God out there. Is the church family vital to your growth in growing towards Christ and remembering Him and His faithfulness? You know, we want you to come to church because, you know, if you make it three out of four Sundays out of 52 weeks or out of the 52 weeks in a year, you get saved. That's how it works. Just make sure you're all paying attention as I preach sacrilege, right? We want you here because it's good for us. It's not to get yourself to heaven, though it helps, I heard. I mean, no, we want you here because I need church family. And I'm, I'm okay admitting that. I need Christian friendship, desperately. I desperately need friendship in Christ, family in Christ, to help me walk and remember God. And so the things that we do together serve a purpose. And they're not just, okay, we're going to do communion because that's the tradition that we do and that's what we're supposed to do. Every time we take communion together, let it be to remember Jesus Christ. Let it be to glorify Him and remember all that He's done. Let there be things in your life that remind you of God's present faithfulness. Do you have Scripture hanging up in your home? Put Scripture up in your home. What does your Facebook page look like? What's nice is uh, uh, to post Scripture every once in a while, and then a year later it will remind you of it as you're scrolling through it. You're like, oh yeah, I read that once. And then it's a picture of you wiping out while surfing. I'm going to remake that one one day. I'm going to conquer the serving. You guys, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's great. Uh, Where's that little horn button? I derailed again. This last Sunday, uh, we weren't here. We went to celebrate Grandma Beaver's 90th birthday. And uh, it was a special moment to be with family, and I'm grateful that we were able to be there and be together uh, with a lot of the same folks that were there, uh, that were together in October of 15. And uh, we were at the Duplain Church of Christ where Wendy and I were married, and there's a lot of, a lot of history for Wendy's family there in Duplain, and it's where they've served in ministry for a long time. And so we were gathered uh, together, and Wendy's uh, cousin Jared and his wife Ashley and their four daughters, they, uh, they all sang 
uh, the remix version of the doxology song. And then they concluded with inviting us to all sing the doxology. And so I was so deeply moved and I was taken back to the moment in that small chapel. And it was a reminder of everything that I want, I need to remember. Of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of God's love. And my own call to preach and to love people and keep pressing forward. I pray that you would have things in your life that would remind you of God's faithfulness and His love for you. That there would be, maybe for you, you're thinking, I'm the first generation of Christian in my family. Well, it's never too late to pass from generation to generation. Start today sharing with your children. That was the message in Deuteronomy 6. It was like, tell your kids about God. Keep preaching. Keep telling them the stories. Keep telling them of God's faithfulness and share it over and over and over again. Grandpa Beavers, whenever we would get together, whether it was over the holidays or we were just visiting, Grandpa Beavers would always say these words to me. Preach the word. He's my hero. And his sermon is hanging on my wall. I hope to always remember and always honor God in all that I do. Would that be your hope as well? To remember God and honor Him in all that you do. And the good times, the bad times, and all everything in between. Would you make your life about the glory of God and His praise? We're going to fall short in that. I know that. And I've had my own bits of pride that have gotten in the way. But God is gentle to remind us. He disciplines us as a loving Father. And He leads us back into His arms. And he says, son, daughter, would you please be faithful again? Today, would you remember God? Would you glorify him? Would you stand with me as the worship team comes forward? I didn't put Wendy up to this, but could we sing the doxology? And I'll have Wendy start us because it won't start well with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, prayer, this is our praise, that you would be praised above all and in everything as we remember and honor and glorify you today. Remind us of your past faithfulness. God, we've been through so much, and there is a lot before us, and may you guide our steps, and would you strengthen your church 
And may we rest in your arms and your strength. Let your spirit lead us as your children. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's sing in response.